Let's stand for the reading of God's word. It says in 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, God loves a cheerful giver. Let's say that together. God loves a cheerful giver. Father, thank you. If we know the truth, if we know it, it'll set us free. It's more than just words on a page. It's something someone's quoted to us. But we embrace it. We ingest it. We make it ours. And if we know it, it'll set us free. So thank you for increasing as I decrease, allowing your truth to move in and through us and deliver to us the truth that we need to know that's transformational. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And as we move in the purpose that God has ordained for us to secure a future for the next generation, to be sure that the work that God has entrusted us gets firmly and completely planted into their hearts, into their hands, expanding our outreach, doing what God's called us to do in an ever-increasing ever culture, moving in the wrong direction. <clears throat> Some people are worried in this present day. They're worried about gold and silver, worried about prepping, economics. And I want to say to you today that this earthly structure that we're all concerned with at times is not the answer. The earthly securities that you think are going to hold you in difficult times, not the answer. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. There are things happening economically and prophetically, and there will come a day of reckoning because all these natural processes that man has invented are all coming to a conclusion. One day our economy will have to balance out, and its propping up will be no more. That will cause hardship for some people. But like the sons of Issachar, we need to know who we are, we need to know our God, and we need to know the times. The sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. We need to be those kind of people who know what we need to do. And God give us leadership who know what to do because they know you. We must catch the Holy Spirit and allow him to lead his church. Because that's the purpose and goal for which he has come into the world. And when we are obedient to God, he can transcend, no matter what we're facing in this culture, because we are not of this world, we are of his kingdom. So Paul goes on to say, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, which means you get to choose. You want a bountiful or a very lesser increase in harvest. You get to choose as you purpose, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God's able to make all grace abound toward you that you have always having all sufficiency in all things may have abundance for every good work. More than enough. Now watch this from the J.B. Phillips translation. He said, All I will say is that poor sowing means a poor harvest. And a generous sowing means a generous harvest. So say this, He who sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So I want to speak about the harvest this morning. That's what the Holy Spirit asked me to share. Be be excited about the future because we know where we're going and we know what our future holds. No matter the world's economy, if we, listen, we belong to the kingdom economy. There's another economy we're a part of and it's bolder and it's absolutely victorious and it's never in debt and there's never a shortage in the kingdom economy. So if we belong to the kingdom economy, if we have invested in it, that's how you buy into it, see, through tithing and giving offering and sharing your time and your talents, because of belonging to his kingdom, no matter what, there is still God who rules in his kingdom. So this is not Pastor C speaking. This was penned by the Apostle Paul. It is Holy Spirit-inspired and thereby included in God's canon of Scripture, God's Word. It's here in verse 6, and lifted up for us to embrace. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In the recall of Isaiah in chapter 1, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. That's a part of the kingdom harvest principle, the law of the harvest. Even in time of volatility in an economy, of uncertainty, where's the future? There is the law of God that supersedes whatever earthly laws there may be. This is a law all saints of God must keep, must embrace. If you're going to get through a very volatile environment culturally, You better embrace the principles of the kingdom that you say you belong to. It is the law of the harvest. Say the law of the harvest. harvest. When we speak of the law of the harvest, we must take a moment to examine the seed. It's a very important principle because when you examine the seed, you notice seed comes in all sizes and shapes and even colors. All kinds of seeds. Some of them really small. Some of them a little larger. Some of them oblong and some of them kind of rounded. In the law of the harvest, you get to see the packaging of God's economic system. Inside of that seed is life. There's life in the seed of this package. The life will never manifest unless there's certain specific steps I take for that life to come into being. So when you work for a bank or you work for Mickey D's doing fries and apple pies, if we receive minimum wage, we might be complaining because we didn't think it was adequate for the work we're doing and even get upset, not rejoicing, because you've got employment. You should rejoice. Amen? Be thankful. You must understand that what you have in your hands are seeds. When you receive that check at the end of the week or however you're paid, you've got seeds in your hand. And when you look at that check, what you were paid, maybe it was $350 and you think, well, all I have is $350 for all the work I did. You missed the boat if that's how you look at it. Because within that $350 or whatever that amount is, 
If you use it right, there are great seeds for great harvest. It will yield much more by faith, more than you can imagine, if you ever put it to work. God put this law into effect in his holy word, the law of the harvest, and he gave sequence to it. He started all the way back in Genesis where he declared seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. The seed will never make a mistake, but will always reproduce in its likeness every time. I'm speaking in the context of giving, but this law goes way beyond just giving money. Watch this. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Our culture might try to call that karma. You know, what goes around, comes around kind of a thing. But whatever a man sows, this is God's principle. It is God's law. Whatever you're giving, expect it to come back. The life imprisoned within the seed will not burst forth until certain conditions have been met. Then it opens and releases the power contained in that little seed. And note, nothing will release what is in that seed until it's placed in the right conditions, which means the seed has to be sown. Now, you can hold that seed, but it won't grow and produce any life the way God ordained it and created it. You see, you can find your ability to grow and develop and mature in your finances simply by looking at the principles of a farmer. You have to plant your seed before there's going to be an increase. And you can do three things with this seed. You can eat it, make it food. You can feed it to the cows, or you can plant it. And when you plant this seed, listen, into the ground, God multiplies it. And God brings you back a harvest. Now, listen, you can go to the store. You can buy a bag of seed. You can leave it in the bag. You can park it in your garage. You can leave it there for weeks and months and even years. And guess what you'll have? Seeds in a bag. Paul was inspired to speak and write about this by the Holy Spirit. He places it in 2 Corinthians, revealing to us the law of the harvest, kingdom principle. And he used the words given so interchangeably. Giving is sowing. When I give, I am sowing. Say it. When I give, I am sowing. God's economic plan and system for life is set in motion through the sowing and the giving of seed. It could be the seed of finances, the seed of my talent, the seed of my time. And we're responsible for the whole package God gave us, our time, our talent, and our treasures. And being a part of the body... Each of us comes equipped with a gift or more, and all of us are responsible to add that gifting of serving in the body of Christ with my talent, with my time, and with my treasure. So watch this. To sow a seed means to lose it. I'm giving up something. It means to bury it. It means to give it away. The seed that becomes fruitful is not obedient until it actually has died And understand this, it falls in line as we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When you sow a seed, you place it underground. It means I'm burying you. I'm also expecting you to get back up. So the spirit with which you sow is so important. 
you have to be careful because you'll harvest that as well as the fruit of the seed. So this verse I read then takes you to the next verse. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Because if you're not cheerful when you give, if you give grudgingly or with an edge or with some attitude, you'll not just get what the seed produces, you'll reap what your spirit wrapped around that seed. You'll get the whole package back. So if you're prospering fruit from the seed, yet you don't have joy, it's because that's what you sowed with the seed, a lack of joy. God says, I want you to be happy with what you get blessed with. I want there to come joy back to you because you gave it up with joy. Planting, sowing is meticulous work, and it's tedious. When we used to plant our extensive gardens in the summer, having two full lots empty adjacent to us, and we used them for our garden. I mean, a lot of hard work in a hot, humid sun in the summer, planting tomatoes and corn and lettuce and zucchini and squash and peppers and basil and pumpkins and watermelons and you name it, my goodness. Um, we had it growing all around us. Others were out playing, other kids in the neighborhood and our kids, before they got to play, they pulled weeds. Yeah. Sometimes the kids would try to get through too quickly and got careless. And you know, weeds draw nutrients and moisture away from the plants. So you got to get rid of them. So we maintain the soil well. Brussels sprouts were growing, corn. I mean, we understood how to properly plant the seed. We followed the instructions. We had to bury it specifically so deep. And we knew the more we plant, the more we got back. I mean, we had wheelbarrows full over whatever we could consume. So we just gave it away because God was generous and we got generous and God kept getting more generous. I'm excited about my planting because I realize it's going to come back up. It's why so many saints have so little joy because they don't understand because they can come into church and they can shout about anything and everything. They'll shout during worship. They'll kick up their legs. The special music has blessed them or they hear something in the word and they get all excited. Then comes time for offering and they're dead. (laughs) Why did he have to go there? Because it should be celebratory. The seed which becomes fruitful is obedient unto death. It ceases to exist as an individual entity and then gives way to a larger life in God's miraculous plan in his economy. So watch. Most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and does what? Dies. It remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. It's a picture of the kingdom of God. It's a simple statement. We have this picture of how his kingdom works. Jesus is placed in the tomb. He died. The law of the harvest, it begins its operation as the seed falls to the ground. And in the right environment, in the right condition, the seed responds. It responds to the cool and the fertile ground of the evening. And then as the sun as the, as the season changes and the sun begins to warm the soil, well, it first swells, the seed swells, and then it bursts and its walls break open. 
It can no longer contain what's inside of it. Life comes out of it. Similar to a pregnancy, there's a swelling followed by a delivery of your fruit and blessing. Life springs forth from it. That's what happens when you sow. Mothers should be excited because they realize what happened when they gave birth. And while the seed is dead in the ground, it bursts open. And it first sends its roots down deeper into the soil. And why is it sending its roots down? That seed is going to find what it takes to be nurtured and find nutrients in order for it to one day bring forth its fruit. So when you sow something, it begins to dig down into whatever soil is available. It sends roots into what you sowed it into and to connect you to a return. And that return will come back to you. Another part begins to shoot upwards through the soil. And just because you don't see that immediately doesn't mean nothing is happening. It's taking root. And all you have to do is wait. One kernel of corn can grow a stalk with two to 3,000 kernels being reproduced. So sweet was the corn we grew. I didn't tell them until after. But while I was pulling it off the stalk and shucking it, I was eating it. Don't worry about boiling it. It was too good. Sweet like honey. I mean good. And here's here's what Jesus said. Surely I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. This is more than a farming lesson. Jesus is speaking of himself when he made this statement because Jesus was committed to the to the death for our sins. He was laid in a cold, dark, borrowed tomb. And the life of God burst forth in him and he brought forth a great harvest that's still being reaped today. The law of the harvest is stated, sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully. Whether it's recession or inflation, listen, the law of God will work and will work in your life, whether you are even alert to it or aware of it or not. Listen, if you are stingy, you have sowed what you will receive. Because whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. Some people get upset with givers, and they, you know, they're bothered by people who seem to give, and they get blessed because they never understand and see how much the person gives, and they're curious, well, what are they really giving? What are they doing? They don't even have a clue what they're giving because we don't disclose that. Givers recognize the blessing in giving because they give in secret. And then God rewards them openly. And we don't announce what people give or what gifts are made. See, we don't announce what, who gave what. This one pledged this much, this one gave. No, we don't do that openly because I don't want anybody to miss their blessing. If you give, it's not an order for people to say how great you are and pat you on the back. You give because you understand the law of the harvest and because you love the Lord and you give because his nature now has become a part of you. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So your sowing can lead you into wealth or it can lead you into poverty depending on what you're sowing and how you're sowing it, you're going to get back what you put in. It's not only about money. 
It's about time. It's about talent. It's about showing respect for others in the body of Christ. It's about sowing love and sowing honor. We're getting ready to do that next month in a big way. And if there's no one around you who is loving or bringing love into your life, better check out what you're sowing. Let me give you three harvest principles. I want to leave these with you. Number one, you reap what you sow. It's pretty simple. If you sow weeds, guess what you're going to harvest? If you sow gossip and backbiting, guess what you're going to reap? That's why someone is always calling you, talking and gossiping about somebody else. Because they know you're the soil who will receive it. You don't want to be that kind of soil because you're going to get to share in that harvest. It won't be good. If you sow lies and exaggerations, you might think you're fooling others because you lie and you exaggerate. What you're doing, you're sowing lies back to yourself because they're going to come back. And if, and if you know you're lying and exaggerating, understand, people are not telling you the truth because that's what you're harvesting back. If you think you're getting away with it, you're not. If you sow love you will reap love. It will, it will never fail. The seed can only reproduce after its kind. Number two, you'll always receive more than you've sown. Always. You'll reap more than you sow. Within the law of the harvest is the word multiplication. You can read it in Jesus' parable about sowing. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. If you notice, anything that comes from the ground it brings seed back with it, which means if I use the seed to plant an apple tree, as that, ap- that tree begins to mature and begins to bear fruit, listen, I will get a tree with apples and a lot of seed. When you sowed today at Calvary, you didn't just sow whatever you put in, say it was $100, that $100 will return to you with more friends. That's why you should get excited at offering time. It's sowing worship. I'm giving this away. I'm going to bury it. I'm excited because when I put this in, I know you have friends. So you need to look at your offering and drop it in and say, friends coming. Amen. Friends coming because it will generate more seed. The more you sow, the more you will have to sow. That's how it works in God's kingdom. Number three, you reap the harvest after you sow. You're not going to give it to you up front. You reap it after you sow. And here's a bad word you don't want to hear, time. There's time process built within the seed. It's got its own internalized clock. And you must cooperate with it and not try to circumvent it. The harvest is always later than the sowing. So when you sow, you don't just stand there looking for the harvest the next morning because you know the harvest is going to come simply because you sow. You have trust. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground night and day while he's sleeping, while he's asleep or awake. The seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. And we don't. We still don't. 
The earth produces the crops on its own. First, the leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Gotta love that explanation by the creator himself who put into the minuscule parts of the seed the time clock and system for which once it's put into the right environment, it brings forth fruit and bears more seed. Well, my mother and grandmother canned tomatoes and other vegetables in the later summer and fall months. And while the produce was growing, they were out shopping for mason jars because they realized at that time, if they didn't get to the store early enough, they'd run out of jars because a lot of other people were canning too. So they knew there would come a harvest, so they kept those jars in store. So when the harvest finally came in, they had everything they needed. They were ready to go. Everything was planned ahead, and they could start their canning. When you give an offering, do you get ready for your harvest? Do you anticipate that God will bring it back to you in a myriad of ways? Now watch this. The harvest always comes later, but it always comes more abundantly. So saints, know that your giving is sowing. If you're sowing, you can expect a harvest. Now, this is not theology according to Pastor C. This is not prosperity theology. This is Bible. Regardless of opinion, you are sowing when you give. Calvary, where you are right now in life is, is, is because that's what you've sown. Where you are right now in life was caused by what you've sown. You are living in a harvest of some seeds that were sown. And some of you need a weed eater. Please remember this. Do not be deceived. The worst kind of deception is when you deceive yourself. You listen to the craziness of this culture and the crazies that are out there with their philosophies, and you think like they think, and you're going to get self-deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He stated it. It is forever, and it's going to remain forever. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For if he sows to his flesh, he will of the flesh reap corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, he will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. We reap what we sow without variation. Doesn't change from one person to the next. It's not applied differently from one person to the next. It's applied equally and justly from one person to the next. Uh, not like the laws of our land that we've been playing with the last decade or two, where, well, that one we don't kind of like anymore, so we're not going to enforce that one. But this one we, we think needs to be enforced, especially for that group of people. That's not the way God does business with his law. His word is forever. It does not change. There is no variance in it. We reap what we sow. Therefore, sow what you desire to reap the most. Do you desire love? Do you desire peace? Do you desire criticism? No, I wouldn't desire that. Then stop being critical because you're going to get it back. Do you desire loyalty? See, you can get blessed in your sowing. You can get ouch in your sowing. Do you desire faithfulness? Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. 
When you sow to the Spirit, you get life everlasting. When you, when you sow, you give. What you give will come back multiplied. Well, pastors, why do my troubles continue to increase? If you keep sowing in trouble, it's going to come back multiplied. If I'm sowing righteously, well, pastor, when, when do I get to reap? When's that going to happen? God's answer to that question. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. This is not the gospel according to your pastor. This is the gospel according to the Holy Spirit written through the mouth and pen of Paul the Apostle placed in the Holy Writ for the church of Jesus Christ. Watch this. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Always. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And here's how God's law of harvest works. The mechanics all dissected for us, just like on that package of seed you bought over at the store the other day. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Okay? He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Well, huh, okay. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. One who plants generously will get a generous crop. Whatever you sow, that is what you will receive. Multiplied. Jesus put it like this. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, and poured into your lap. That's multiplication. It's going to overflow the container that you brought it with and fall all over you. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That's pretty powerful stuff. And once you sow it, you'll have to wait for the right season. And don't grow weary waiting for your season. Keep doing the right things before the Lord. Sowing, loving, investing of your time, of your talent, of your treasure. What are you giving in the body of Christ of those things that God trusts you with? He trusted you with that gifting. He trusted you with your time. He trusted you with treasure and income. What are you doing with what God gave you? In due season, you'll reap. And if you sowed the wrong thing, you sowed to your own fleshly desires, go ask God to help you tear up that entire field and plow it under. And today, as we offer our sacrifices and we pay the tithe and we sow offering and make sacrifice, God offers all of us the opportunity to go beyond today and what's going to happen in benefit next week. This gift, this offering, not only blesses me in the today, it blesses my bloodline, and it blesses the kingdom beyond my lifetime. I sat with some people who had the means by which to help us do a little bit more, and there are people, thank God, that help us do that. And I said, you don't understand. You're not taking this with you. God's blessed you with a lot, and you're not going to take it with you. You're going to leave it. And probably people who take it away from you at your demise are going to do things with it you would have never allowed to have been done. Invest some of that in the kingdom. 
because even after you pass, people who get saved because of it, that's going to go into your treasury even though you're already there. So therefore, I don't get flustered and stretched out of means. I'm ready to just simply stretch into what God's ordained and be faithful to the commitments I've made to the Lord and he's made to me. My wife and I committed to give to our new building program when we began that process, a new campus lighthouse to meet the needs of a culture in dire darkness. We've kept our commitment every week through the first three years of the pledge. We kept it, and and we got to the three-year mark of expiration. We did not stop. We still have not stopped, and we still give every week to that program. Through, the, through recession times that our church has walked through in our community, through keeping budgets under control, through backing up where we've had to and making cuts where we needed to, listen, God will multiply what we have invested. And I can't wait for good measure, pressed down, recession-proofed. Why? Because I believe the word of God. Simple. You must each decide in your heart how much you will give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, which means you're going to wrap the seed in joy and cheer and excitement. Yes, Lord, because that's coming back with friends and more joy in my life. Or you can do it with, I'm going to give it, but I don't want to. And that's what you're going to get back. I don't want to when it comes to something coming your way. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to do what? Share with others. As the scriptures say. Let me stop there. Share with others. Hmm. We don't talk much about John the Baptist's preaching or his style or even look at his preaching sermons and the messages he shared with the people of his day. When he was roaming the Jordan River in the Judean wilderness... People were coming out by the thousands to hear this man preach. And he had a stern warning for specific groups of them who were just accumulating all they could on the backs of other people. And he called them a brood of vipers. And he said, you need to start producing fruit worthy of repentance. And startled, they said, well, what should we do? Uh What does that mean, produce fruit worthy of repentance? And he responded, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has more than enough food should do the same. In other words, he's saying true repentance produces a generous heart. True repentance produces a generous heart. How come no one's saying amen? You ought to be shouting for joy. This should be as natural as drawing your next breath. If true repentance has gripped your heart, You will be a generous person. Let me back up. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to do what? Share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. That's supposed to be us. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Calvary, we ought to step up. All of us should be doing something in the kingdom in terms of tithe and offering. And if all you've got 
is just a little bit of seed. The tenth belongs to the Lord. You've got a lot of seed. The tenth still belongs to the Lord. And then after that, I look and I say, I still got a few seeds left over. I think I'm going to plant some of those in God's work because the harvest I'm going to get there is going to be a whole lot more meaningful than any harvest I'm going to have here. And it's time I got my focus off of this onto that because that's all that's going to be there when I get there and none of this is going with me, none of it. So we have a month of May that's extraordinary in expense. We have a new campus to construct, to bring hope to the poor in our community. Not just economically poor. We've got that, yes. But you cannot imagine how many are poor in spirit in our community. They're bankrupt of self-image, not loving the you that God created. Poor in relationships. Poor in hope for the future. The message of Christ is the message of hope. And we need to build our future for our community for our bloodline, our world that's in need of a Savior. We've got a message to share that goes beyond where we are. And I'm looking at the extraordinary challenge we have, as people have said to me at times, Pastor, when are we going to start our new building? And I always respond now this way, write the check. (laughs) Write the check. I'll go out there with a shovel tomorrow morning and break the ground for you, okay? Not a problem, me doing that. Step up, because all of us need to step up and do what God's called us to do. And I'm praying everybody will step up here at Calvary. Give to bring healing to our warriors, to our veterans, to the active duty people who serve us. Who, that's right, who, who are out there making a difference for our lives. Step up. We built that Quonset hut for that purpose yesterday. One of the master sergeants who was here, I took him on a little tour. He said, I'm going to have all our first shirts here and have meetings in here where we can get them away from the base and get into an atmosphere that's a little less constrictive. And thank you for doing this for us. This, and he's, he's just his jaw dropped when he looked around there. He goes, my goodness, this is just like it was in Afghanistan. He said, you have replicated this to a T. I said, yeah, exactly for you guys and gals, for you to have a place. Give extravagantly above your tithe for the future campus, for what we've got to do in the name of Jesus. If there's anything God will remember, it's when we give. It's when we give, when we bless others. Because as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's his promise to us. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And then he went on to write, and as a result of your ministry, of giving your time and your talent and your treasure, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. I have an obligation to be obedient, to take this message in whatever form I can, through the spoken word, through the giving, 
through the blessing, to the telling of the story, to bringing them into an environment where there's hope and there's a future. We ought to stand and we ought to applaud God and thank him for giving us an unspeakable gift. We don't have words to describe the measure of the gift that God gave us, but we need to live our, lift our voices and our hearts and thank him to the best of our ability for all he's done for us.